Good evening, guys. How are you doing? Thank you so much for that introduction, Pastor Siv. Really appreciate it, bro. Um, guys, I apologize for my voice. I'm recovering some, from some man flu. That's real. I praise God that, uh, you know, I'm one of the few that, you know, I've lived to actually talk about it. Uh, <laughs> it's such a, a pleasure and a privilege to, to uh, share the word with you tonight. And uh, to begin with, uh, kick off our worship series. We're doing a worship series called All In, and uh, I'm going to be kicking it off. We're going to be doing it for four weeks. Uh, so the, the scripture that we're going to use today comes from Romans, Romans 12, verse 1. And this is gonna, this scripture we're going to study. Uh, can we stand together as we read God's word? All right, let's go for it. Therefore... I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Father God, we thank you for your word. We pray you bless the preaching, the teaching of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please take your seats. So the, the topic that I have is... Uh, actually, two topics. One is, what is worship? And the second one is, why we worship? Uh, so worship is like a multifaceted thing. We could be here all day, all night talking about worship. It's like, you know, when someone asks you, you know, so tell me, who are you? You know, it's like, how do I answer that? Like, what do you want to know? Where I come from? What's my favorite fruit? Like, you know, be specific around that, that, that what you want to know. And, and uh, so hopefully over the next four weeks, uh, we'll get a, a, a broader and clearer picture of what worship is about. So that scripture that we're looking at, uh, Paul is writing, he's saying, in view of God's mercy, present your bodies as living sacrifices. And, and there's a context within which Paul is writing. And so before we, we dig into that scripture, we're just going to get a bit of context so that we can better understand what Paul was writing about. So one of the first places you get this idea of worship being mentioned in scripture is in a story that you find in Genesis 22 that involves Abraham and his son Isaac. Track back one chapter, you get to Genesis uh, 21, where Isaac is born to Abraham and Sarah. Abraham and Sarah prayed, trusted God for years upon years for this miracle baby. The miracle baby comes, born in chapter 21. Then a few years swing by, chapter 22, it begins, and God tested Abraham. And then you get the story where God visits Abraham and he says to Abraham, Abraham, I want you to take Isaac and offer him up as a burnt offering or a sacrifice. And you will do that on the mountain that I say you should do it on. In verse 5, Abraham is with Isaac and he's about to ascend the mountain. And he turns around to his servants and he says, wait here for us. My son and I are going to go up the mountain to worship. Abraham, he has an instruction from God. Offer your son up as a sacrifice, as a burnt offering. Abraham's response is, I'm going to go up the mountain to worship. 
Worship and sacrifice are two inseparable things. The word used for worship in that context is the Hebrew word shaka, which means to kneel down, to bow down before, or to lie prostrate before. And it's used in the context of royalty. It's used in the context of a dignitary. But when it comes to God, it's often followed by a sacrifice. And simply the idea behind the word is that you bow down, you kneel down, you lie prostrate before as a, an external expression of your internal condition or posture. And so what do you do? You want to express what's happening inside. And the only way you can express it is by doing something, bending down, bowing down, kneeling before, lying prostrate before God, and then offering a sacrifice. And offering a sacrifice also spoke of a pursuit of relationship and oneness with God. Now, the idea of a sacrifice is kind of different in our world today. We don't really speak about it in the same way as they did in the Old Testament. So today it's something that's part of our, our vocabulary. Someone would say, uh, you know, I sacrificed my job to stay at home with the kids, Right? You don't necessarily get this image of someone like going on the altar and sacrificing this job or their job contract, pulling out a knife and like slaughtering it there, you know, and offering that up to God. But simply just saying, you know, giving up or giving something of value for someone or something of value. Giving up something that is of value for someone or something that is of value. And now I'm sure most of us growing up, our parents would tell us how much they sacrificed for us, right? Especially when you're in trouble. You know, I, I remember, you know, like as a kid, you'd get, particularly like at Christmas time, we'd get new clothes. It was like, you know, a thing. And, uh, and then naturally, you get together, it's Christmas, it's festive, and you're hanging out with your cousins and stuff, and you're playing around, you're just a little snotty kid. Next thing, your new shirt is like torn. You know, and then you have that encounter, usually with your mother. In... <laughs> and they'll give you that whipping by syllable. Do you know that whipping by syllable? It's like, do you know how much I pay? You know? <laughs> Anyone know those? You know? <laughs> and I, I'm, a, I'm a parent of four, and I've now started slowly kind of seeing, you know, that creeping. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa what's happening here? And it, was, and it was worse, worse for me because my, my parents are Zulu, you know? So everything is just longer. So it's like, ooh, ngi, zu, ge, zi. But the idea is that it's something that costs you something. It's of value. You give something that costs you something when you're bringing a sacrifice before God. And so, how they used to do in the Old Testament, they offer up a sacrifice. So they would have a, some sort of sacrifice. It would often be a lamb. So a lamb was just something that was of great value. And I mean, if you just pop into Woolies right now, you go into the meat section, check out the lamb prices. You know, it's like, it's real, you know? It's real. All right, so, so basically what, what they do is that you take this offering 
and you're presented before the priest, the priest would either be the head of the home or maybe a designated priest for, for a particular place. And, and that offering would be handed over to the priest. The priest would then inspect it to see if there was any wrinkle, any spot, any blemish on the offering. And if there was none of those on the offering, then it would be deemed holy and acceptable unto God. And also then remember that worship is an external expression of your internal conditional posture. So you must consider what you're offering because that speaks about your internal conditional posture. And so if you're offering something up to God, it had to be perfect. It couldn't have a wrinkle, it couldn't have a spot, it couldn't have a blemish. It had to be perfect because you're offering it up to God. And so that offering would then be taken and then placed on the altar. The altar would have like a raging fire on it. The offering would be consumed by the fire and then smoke would rise up and that smoke would be called a sweet-smelling incense unto the Lord. And it would be deemed pleasing unto God. And so it's with this context that now Paul writes Romans 12. And let's read that again. And he speaks about a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Right, we're talking about worship. Paul spells it out for us. This is true and proper worship. Scroll back. What is it? To offer our lives up as living sacrifices. Scroll back again. And he says, in view of God's mercy. In view of God's mercy. So our our ability to offer up our lives as living sacrifices hinges on our view of God's mercy, view of what God has done. That's what it kind of hangs on. And so the beginning of that, of that verse, it says, therefore, because Paul has spent 11 chapters explaining what God's mercy is. And that's why now he says, therefore, therefore, in view of God's mercy. So, so I want to kind of give us a snippet of what Paul talks about from Romans 1 all the way to 11. He begins with Romans 1, 16 and 17. He says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. It's the gospel. In it the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God is revealed. What is righteousness? It is right standing, right relationship with God. And we're told that in the gospel, a righteousness of God, the righteousness of God, right relationship with God is revealed that it's a relationship that comes by faith. All right. So I, so I want us to kind of understand again what Paul's talking about from, from 1 all the way to 11. Can I ask, uh, can I ask Jess and Lire to please come up here? 
Both. Please, please don't be alarmed. Come, come here. <laughs> All right. So, so this is God's standard. This is God's righteousness. This is, this is right relationship with God. So this is some of the stuff that Paul explains. Is that, you know, in the beginning God created man. Man sinned before God. God told man, listen, if you disobey me, if you eat of the fruit of the tree, all right? The fruit of the tree. I know I have an apple, but it wasn't an apple, okay? There's no evidence in Scripture that it was an apple. So just for demonstration, it's an apple. Apples are okay. Eat apples. They're good for you. Okay. But it was a banana. There's a theory here that it was a banana. Okay, we don't know. So, so what happened is that the, God, the man disobeyed God. And God had warned him that, listen, sin and death will enter if you disobey me. And that's what happened. And, and as a result of that, Ad, so, sorry, Adam then disobeyed and sin and death entered. And as a result of Adam's disobedience, everyone that was born after Adam inherited the sin nature, which is a propensity or disposition towards sinning. So the problem was that this was God's righteousness right here. So everyone that comes after Adam is in the red. Everyone is born into sin. Romans 3 tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone is born on this side of God's righteousness, unrighteous. It says also that there's none righteous, not even one. Not even one. All right, so we're here in the negative, we're here in the red. So Lira here, just child one apple. And Jess, ooh. It's real out there. <laughs> so, Jess here represents what we would consider the worst people in society. You know, this is your, your pimps, your prostitutes, your thieves, your murderers. This is, and you see, she's got a lot of bags of apples, so she's been busy. <laughs> you know? And Lire, you know, she's just eating like one apple, Right? Jess, usually what you find here is that people that have a bag of apples recognize that they're far from God because of the things that they've done, because they're carrying all this stuff, and they're like, man, how could God even want me? How could God even love me? How could I even come near to God? There's that, there's that recognition of the unrighteous condition, the condition that they're far from God. Here with, with Lire, Lire is, you know, just, just one apple. Just Lire, Lire, you know, she's a good person. You know, she, 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 you know, she probably comes to church because good people go to church, right? And then tweet about it. You know, Lire probably, you know, she's not the kind, she doesn't swear at taxi drivers, you know. She, she probably like has a carpool going. You know, maybe like a soup kitchen somewhere in the mix. That's, that's, that's Lire. And, and, and sometimes the challenge with being here is that you think, you know what, I, I'm a good person. 
You know, I'm, I'm a good person. I, I do good things. So therefore, you know, God and I are cool. And what reinforces that is that sometimes in people like Lira look at people like Jesse and say, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, at least I'm not as bad as, yeah. as, as Jesse, right? You know? So the, so the challenge, though, is that both these are unrighteous. And, and sometimes we don't realize what this gap here means. We don't fully grasp it. So I, I want to help maybe give us a little perspective on, on this gap that's here. So this week, there was quite a high-profile court appearance that happened. It was the first court appearance of Nicholas Minow, who's now known as the Dross Rapist. Now, this was, I mean, a, yeah, I don't even have words to explain, you know, the, the heinousness of the crime and everything. And, and, and I've got a seven-year-old girl, man, so this thing, like, really touched me. And, and, and just reading on social media, just how people were responding to this. And you just hear people's anger, their rage, their disdain, and, and rightfully so, because of the heinousness of the crime, the nature of it. It's just horrible. It's just horrible. And you hear rhetoric like, he needs to be shamed. And he, and he was shamed, and he has been shamed. I mean, people would post his whole life up on social media. They know where he works, who his family is, all those kind of things. People would say, hey, this guy needs to be beaten. People would say, hey, we need to bring back the death penalty because he needs to be executed. And you get the sense that there's this, like, this collective wrath of the nation that is just bearing down on this guy because of what he did. And rightfully so, because of the nature of the crime. But take that rage, take that indignation, and try compare it to the wrath of God. You need to multiply it by infinity and you're still not quite there. That's what the wrath of God against us looked like. In fact, Scripture uses words like we were at war with God. We were at enmity with God. We were enemies of God. There's nothing good about that. We were in a mess. But the gospel tells us then, That God in his mercy sent his son Jesus Christ. Born and conceived of the Holy Spirit so that he wouldn't have the sin nature of Adam. He lived a perfect life without blemish, without spot, without wrinkle. Blameless. And what happened to him? He was shamed, he was beaten. He was executed on our behalf. He died, he rose again, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. In Romans 10, 9 tells us that if we confess with our mouth and believe with our hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord, we are saved. Saved from what? The wrath of God. And not only that, but we As we put our faith in him, we get to inherit the righteousness of God by faith. 
That's what we get. And now that is good news. That is good news. And it's no wonder why when this message came, Jesus came proclaiming this message that it was the pimps, it was the prostitutes, it was the drunkards that gathered around him because they recognized their condition. And they flocked around him because it was good news. And so this is what Jesus does. He comes and he takes our sin. And by the cross, we get to cross over (laughs) into his righteousness. That's good. Can we give them a hand, please? So now let's go back to Romans 12 and read it with a bit more context. So Paul now writes, Therefore I urge you, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of God's mercy, all that He's done, all that He saved you from, all that He saved you for, in view of His mercy, present or offer your life as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Other translations says this is your reasonable act of worship. This is what makes sense in view of His mercy, in view of what He's done. So it all hinges and hangs on our view of what He's done. As we take a hold of that, then the logical thing to do is to lay our lives down. It's to say, God, Your will be done. We're singing tonight, Mayenzi Wintandoyaku. It's to wake up every day, Mayenzi Wintandoyaku. God, wherever You place me, Mayenzi Wintandoyaku. Every situation, God, my enzy went under yak. Offer up our lives as a living sacrifice. For this is our reasonable, this is our proper and true act of worship. The amazing thing is that, you know, the, the, the Bible never kind of leaves us hanging on the subject. It continues to speak about this again in the New Testament. And we find this in Romans, sorry, in Hebrews 13, 15. And the writer of Hebrews writes about sacrifices. Now, the, the thing we need to realize is that we don't need to make sacrifices anymore. We don't need to offer up animal sacrifices. Jesus was that perfect lamb who was blameless, who was without spot, who was without wrinkle. The perfect sacrifice. And so because of his his death, his sacrifice, we no longer have to do it. He was the final sacrifice. However, as people in Christ, we're called to offer up different kind of sacrifice, spiritual sacrifices. And in Hebrews, we find that we're called to give a sacrifice of praise. So let's read the scripture. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. Then he gives us a clue on what that is. The fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Remember in the Old Testament, whenever the sacrifice went up, it would be acceptable and pleasing to God. 
So in the same way, with these things, when we offer them up to God, God is pleased. And so the first thing is the fruit of lips, the fruit of our lips. What we do here on a Sunday when we gather and we sing songs is not just because it's a cool thing to do, but we're here as worshipers to offer up the fruit of our lips to God. We do that by singing songs, by raising our praises to Him. And if you recall again, worship is about an external expression of your internal condition or posture. And so therefore, when we come into the space, we need to give God our best. We need to raise our voices. We need to shout our praises. Because that's what's inside and that's what He deserves. And so we need to bring something in this space. And some of us, the sacrifice that we need to make coming into this is is the sacrifice of getting rid of being so self-conscious. Thinking, oh, what's it going to look like if I have my hands up? What's it going to look like if I bow down? What are they going to say? But that's what we're called to do as believers offering up sacrifices to Him. And so can you imagine if we gathered like this and it was just hundreds of people bowing, kneeling, lying prostrate, raising their hands up all to the same God? How amazing would that be? And that would be a sweet-smelling incense rising up to God. That's what our worship is supposed to be like. So I want to encourage some of you is to break in, step out a little further. And again, recognizing that it's an external expression of your internal condition or posture. So you've got to make the most of it. Second thing he speaks about, he says, do good. Do good. And this speaks to righteous works and righteous deeds. Now, we've established that in Christ, we are made righteous. So we don't do righteous works or righteous deeds to become righteous. We're already righteous. But we do them as an outworking of our righteousness. And where do we find out what good works and good deeds look like? In God's Word. In God's word, God's written laws, God has written his scriptures so that the righteous could know what way to follow. And so it's so important for us to get into God's word, to study God's word, to take advantage of every opportunity that is presented to learn more about who God is and what God has said. And you know what, guys? The the reality is studying God's word takes sacrifice. It's, it's hard at times, and it takes time, right? But we're called to offer up sacrifices, right? So, so it's so important to get God's word. And then the other thing is to be with God's people. Because when you're in community like this, you get to see people walking out righteous living. 
And you get to see what a guy living righteously before God looks like. You get to see what fathering looks like. You get to see what mothering. You get to see what being an accountant looks like when you gather with people like this who are pursuing God. So it's so important to be in this space, to be in community with God's people. The final thing that he says is that to share with others, to share with others. You know, I'm grateful to be a part of this church because this church is just, it's just the, the heart of the people in this church is just amazing. The generosity here is just phenomenal. It's outstanding. But, you know, just something I, I want to submit to us. Even though we're a generous church, is that all gifts are good, but not all gifts are sacrifices. All gifts are good, not all good gifts are sacrifices. And, and remember, when we bring an offering, it's, it's got to be a sacrifice, which means it's got to cost you something. So I, I know, you know, people often give out of their abundance. But maybe sometimes it doesn't hurt, right? If it doesn't hurt, is it really costing you something? So I, I want you to really think about that. And, and if we could be a community of people that begin to inconvenience each other, I think that would be special. We need to allow God to inconvenience us and for us to inconvenience each other. Some of us here, our budgets need to be inconvenienced by people in this room. Some of us here, our schedules need to be inconvenienced by people in this room. Yes, Joe Burgess? It's not supposed to be neat and tidy. You know, that's what we have heaven for. So we're called to offer up these sacrifices. Offer up these sacrifices. The fruit of our lips. As we come into this place, we are giving our all. Giving our all. Using our whole beings to express our worship before God. That we are doing good, pursuing righteousness, pursuing righteous deeds. And that we're sharing. We're sharing with the people here. And, and you know, the church in Acts had this. And that's why they could say there was no one in need amongst them. There were no poor among them because they had gotten a hold of this idea of sacrificing. That they were all there bound together, all as an offering unto God that would be a sweet-smelling incense unto Him. All right, so the last, the last thing is, is why, why worship? I mean, this is, there's not much to say about this. Just simply, going, just simply go back to that text in Romans 12. Why do we do what we do? Why do we gather like this? Why do we say the things that we say? Why do we say, go, you know, reach out, just one, you know, all these things. Why do we do all these things? Well, we do it simply in view of God's mercy, man. You know, when the gospel has gotten a hold of your heart, something shifts, something changes. Your whole life shifts. Your whole life changes. And so our job is to pursue 
God, to know Him, to know fully what He's done so that our lives can adjust accordingly. And that's why we do this. That's why we worship. That's why we hear God's Word. So that we can respond as living sacrifices. And, and what a joy it would be if we gathered like, that, like this tonight, conscious that we're here to lay our lives down on an altar. And we have hundreds of people gathering, just, just running into this place, saying, I'm ready to jump on the altar. And I'm here, God, to bring my worship, my external expression of what's happening internally. Amen? Can we stand to our feet, please? I'd like us just to take a minute and just ponder on that. Ponder on God's mercy. Ponder on the gospel. On that message, what what it means to you. You know, maybe you're... You're you're that person with a bag of apples. You know, often those are the people that we, you know, that that give testimonies. You know, because I did this and this. But you know what? Everyone here was in a mess. Everyone. So just think of that. Holy Spirit, won't you just open our eyes to see, open our minds to conceive to comprehend just a little bit, even just a little bit. Truly what you've done. Truly what God did for us. now with, with, with God's mercy in view, can we begin to now offer up a sacrifice of praise to Him? Begin to give Him the fruit of your lips and remembering it costs you something. Remembering that It's an external expression of your internal posture. And let's do it together as a community. Let's begin to raise your voice. 
if you feel like you need to kneel down you need to bow down we need to start being a people that doesn't just sing about bowing down but when we sing it we do it Come on, let's keep going. Let's press in. Let's offer Him our best in this moment. Come on, come on, come on. Let's step out. Let's step out. Give Him what is due to Him. Let it rise up as a sweet-smelling incense. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we raise our worship. We raise our praises, God. We give you a sacrifice of praise. for who you are and for what you've done, God. We give you our sacrifice of praise. We've come here for that reason, for that purpose, God. That's what true and proper worship is. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Receive our worship, God. Receive our worship, God.
know sometimes we we rush moments because of this uh, schedule that we don't want to inconvenience there's a part of the Psalms that says wait on the Lord those who wait on the Lord will get strength I know that you don't totally understand what's happening now but you're getting strength that's what the Bible says that he renews you he he gives you wings He, he strengthens you as you wait on him then you you stay in that uncomfortable yet totally eternally comfortable place of silence that posture of waiting that deliberate intention of saying you are good i don't have to get it but i thank you for it right now lord we just thank you you're good so we just we just still ourselves I pray that you would seal this word to our hearts Lord I pray that you would keep us you let our whole idea of worship at work, worship at home worship in the four walls of this church that you would inspire it to change in Jesus mighty name Amen and Amen